1: Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren.
2: Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna.
1: This is Dale Weiss. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. And you're listening to you're listening to Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie.
0: Snow the Goalie.
1: Snow the Goalie, Snow the Goalie. We're
2: Welcome back into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players podcast, the perennial podcast, the Pampers podcast, the Pedialyte podcast, the piss off Reddit podcast, I learned Anthony Sanfilippo, I went over on Reddit and I saw that there are some people who are upset that I call this the only Flyers podcast. Anyway, joined as always by Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. And we're joined by another friend. But, Anthony, do you have anything you want to say before we introduce that person?
0: No, introduce him first, and then I'm because I want to
2: include him. Come on, okay. Ross, get this right. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> we need hockey season to start up. Anthony's a little bit frustrated. We're joined, of course, by our good friend, Jason Martitas, who you can hear over on 97.5 The Fanatic, and, of course, on the Stick to Hockey podcast.
1: The other podcast. The other you, oh, you said, have, oh, you said yeah. this is the only, the one and only, the perennial, the pediolite, the this, the that, and the third. Yeah. This, that, and the third. Do you guys talk
2: about the flyers on your podcast?
1: Uh, When warranted. Mm. <laughs> so Matter of fact, the enough. last episode, I don't think we really did. <laughs> 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 I geeked out with Mike McKenna, by the way.
0: Uh, like, I listened dude, to it. I, I love awesome. Mike McKenna. He's yeah. so
1: good. Yeah, and he just ex- uh, accepted a job. He's going to be on the Vegas Knights television crew. Yeah. That's awesome. It's he's he doing a great job. It's yeah. He tr- he, he's a tremendous writer as well. Um he writes a lot of stuff for Ingle magazine, inglemag.com and just tremendous stuff. He's always been great with words and he's just a real good guy. It's funny too because he played what 17 I think games, Ant?
0: Yeah. Was it did he even play that many?
1: I mean I, I think th- he, 15 or 17 NHL games. Oh, you mean overall. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, most like sixteen years. (laughs) Yeah, most of his career was in the American Hockey League. Yeah, and I loved, I, I loved what they did to, uh, uh, you know, allow him to play his last game in the final game of the season. Like he took it from you know the starter, yeah, the the Alex Lyon, I guess, right? Yeah, Yeah.
1: and uh, yeah, his parents and everything for it. Yeah, so congrats to Mike McKenna. He's a great guy, and uh, what a story of like persistence to hang with it that long, just to to trying to get more chances in the NHL and, you know, the ECHL and the AHL and moving and all that. It's got to be crazy.
2: Um, To correct the uh, record here, he played in 35 NHL games. He uh, appeared in six different seasons, of course. He may uh, have only started 17.
1: No, he actually played 35 because he started like 10 for Tampa or like 15 for Tampa and like 10 for Ottawa at one point.
2: 14 for Tampa Bay, 7 for, or no, sorry, 6 for Ottawa, yeah. Yep. So there you go. That's okay. your Mike McKenna knowledge. And by the way, for those who are wondering, he wasn't that far off of Michael Neuver's, uh save percentage for the career in the NHL. And we all know <laughs> that Michael Neuver is the, uh, the missing link. Yeah. Anyway, and before we get started, Russ, you know, we got yeah.
0: we got to talk. We do have a sponsor on the show. We got to talk we a do. little bit about it. You know, it's we're recording on Thursday night, the 29th of August, which means we are leading into Labor Day weekend. And I'm sure you, Jay, me, I'm sure we're all going to be doing some kind of barbecuing this weekend. If not ourselves, at least attending someone's barbecue. And the best thing to do when you're barbecuing, it, or the worst mistake that you could have, is not having enough propane, having your propane tank go out, and then you got to run out to the store. You got to take it with you, exchange it. It costs a lot more money than you think. Come back, rehook it up. Best thing going right now Cinch by Amerigas cinch by amerigas if you sign up for it online at cinch.com at c-y-n-c-h they will take you can leave your empty uh uh, gas tank on your front step they will come and take it and replace it with a brand new one and if you give them the code crossing broad you know what you get it for 10 bucks ten dollars that's it locked in for the entire weekend grilling saturday sunday even monday we always do that too you guys do that you guys do the you have the barbecue and then you say we got a little leftover let's do it again and barbecue you every do day of the week it's, <laughs> it's cleaner it's easier to clean up i, I agree 100 mm-hmm. percent. so absolutely uh, a really cool thing and then guess what then you you know you still got the rest of september if you want to grill but if you don't if you're one of those people who who shuts down summer on labor day because you're like a, you know a short people you think the summer only goes memorial day to labor day then you got a full tank for next year. How can you beat that for 10 bucks? Go to cinch.com and sign up for it, and uh, they will bring it to you at your front door with the code Crossing Broad. Wow, Anthony,
2: that was really professional of you. Only off one the top of in the middle there. The, really off proud the of you.
0: top of my head,
2: Russ, rather excellent. than listening, listening you. to you read. Oh, here we go. Anyway, I, when, go I never read it. It's always off the top of my head. What do you? What? Anyway. <laughs> Jason, we're sorry that you had to come into our therapy session, but I uh, appreciate you being here. I feel like
1: an arbitrator.
2: So uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight because, of course, the Flyers are uh, you know back in the, in the news. They're in the headlines. And we just figured that we should probably address something that happened on our last show when we had Frank Saravalli on. It took uh, the, the interwebs by storm. And uh, the, little, the little video that our guy Craig uh, put together, I think, had half a million views. So it's insane. Um, And it seemed like people were pretty upset on both sides here uh, that Saravalli said that the night before Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals, he ran into a player and that player said that they had run into Kevin Hayes and that Hayes said the only reason or the only way that he would sign with the Flyers is if they overpaid him. So we went, we put that out to the people and some people automatically went on the attack uh, going after Kevin Hayes, saying this guy doesn't belong here. We got a boom in game one. And then, of course, there were people who went and attacked Saravalli for, uh, you know, reporting something that they considered to be hearsay or something that uh, he shouldn't have said on a show. Either way, it got the hockey community talking. So I wanted to just see if uh, there's been any reaction that you might have had, Jason, or... In the aftermath here, Anthony, if there's anything that you had after a, a week and a half or so of uh, reflecting,
1: yeah, I kind of addressed this on on my last podcast on the Stick to Hockey podcast. But um, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's like kind of like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Of course he had to be overpaid because he was getting ready to go to free agency, which is his right, and every player is like ticking down the days to get there. So of course you had to overpay him. That's the way it works. That's how free agency works, and. And I know that, you know, at the time when this courting process was happening, um, Frank had put out a tweet at that time um, saying basically that, you know, this was not his first choice that he wanted to go. There were other options. This wasn't, you know, he was impressed with the presentation that the Flyers presented him when he was in town. Um, And I replied to Frank's tweet at the time and just said, you know, don't be shocked that an agent's getting it out publicly, that the team can negotiate with them, is not his first choice. It's a way of applying leverage, which is absolutely the case. But to say, hey, if, if they don't want me to get to free agency, they gotta overpay me? Of course, that happens every time a player's rights are traded for, and then there's a negotiation period because he can go out to the entire league and pick his destination based on the teams that will pay him X amount of dollars. So that that's part of it, but also, you know, this story, of, and I like Frank, but this story's changed a few times because he and I had some back and forth privately after I put out that tweet, and what he said on your podcast wasn't what he said to, texted me privately, and so I don't know where the truth lies in here, and I know that Ryan Whitney chimed in, and the guys from Spitting Chicklets, and, and all that stuff, and so, to, to me, it's much ado about nothing. Because it's it's always obvious, I think, to me that no, if a guy is going to go to unrestricted free agency, which is something they can't wait to get to, especially when you're coming off a good statistical season as he was, if they want me to not get to free agency, they have to overpay me. Well, no kidding.
0: I, I guess I guess the thing is is that it's one thing for the agent to kind of push that that theorem. But I, I think it's a whole other thing for a player. Like I don't think that the player is as cognizant of uh, you leverage. Know, yeah, as the as the agent is. So like to me, if, if 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 it was the agent who said that, Jay, I think you're spot on. And I don't even think it's a it's a story. I don't even think it's a discussion. Um, but if the player saying it makes me think differently. But I will say this in in, in, in to make your argument I think a little bit better. Um, just because players say that. I mean, how many times in the history of sports, not just in hockey, but in the history of sports, has a player signed with a team that he didn't necessarily want to sign with, but, geez, they gave him the contract, okay, I'll go sign there, and then he ends up staying there for years and loves it and, you know, becomes a, a star player or whatever. I mean, it happens. It, it, there are success stories like that. So it's not a, it's not a huge surprise um, uh, that he would say that, it'd say something like that. Um, I only looked at it when, when Frank reported that as, well, how far the Flyers have fallen, because you would never have heard that from a player, you know, 15 years ago. But now you do, and it's like, wow, gee, the world has changed for the Flyers in that regard. I don't begrudge Kevin Hayes for saying that one little bit. I don't think that there's anything negative about him saying it. I would venture to say that many other players have said the same thing. All, all across the league, so I, I think that is a is a is a great way to make your argument that it's not as big a deal as as Frank made it to be. But at the same time, I can understand you know you know when Frank's reporting, that, I'm like, well, gee, I, I'm the Flyers. I'm I, what happened? <laughs> you yeah, know?
1: I, I get what you're saying, and and yeah, I think they're that's part. I think players have preferences on where do they want to play and who they want to play for and who they want to play with and sometimes money can change their mind like for instance maybe he wanted to go play in Arizona with Derek Stepan, you know guys that he played with earlier in his career those things happen of course they do but maybe the team where he wants to go doesn't have the cap space or doesn't have the the same you know value on him as other teams do based on their situation I mean look at like Phil Kessel Everybody thought, well, Minnesota—that's that, a slam dunk. He, he's go back to Minnesota, and he didn't want to. You know, yeah. is that an indictment on the Wild, or is it that he just wanted to go play in Arizona?
0: And that's Rick, a good point for
1: Rick Tockett, who was an assistant coach before and played the good cop with him.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point too. And I can make that connection for Philadelphia. Da- Danny Briere—I mean, that, you know, he had 20 offers, uh, and no, and that's not a lie. He had because I we actually did a whole sit down me and him years ago. Um, he actually had 20 offers, and he outlined the, t- the 20 teams for me that made him an offer. And the two best were the Montreal Canadiens, who were his boyhood team, you know, that's where he grew up, and the Flyers. And everyone thought he was going to pick Montreal. And instead, he chose the Flyers. Why? I mean, who knows? I mean, any number of reasons. Maybe he didn't want to deal with the pressure of playing at home, whatever.
1: But Marty Biron was here. Yeah, well, did sell Mart- job at
0: the time right yeah. Marty Biron and he were really close friends and Marty did sell him on it but I mean it, you know it's the same concept you know just like you said with Kessel should have gone back to you know oh he was going back to Minnesota and that doesn't go there Briere had the same opportunity and didn't with Montreal
1: and to me and to me Briere not choosing Montreal was not an indictment on Montreal it was just sometimes players prefer some players prefer a market that's not microscopic where you're you know, where you can't go to the mall. Like in Toronto, some players don't like that. Like in Toronto, if you're a good player on the Leafs, you're like Deshaun Jackson or Carson Wentz, <laughs> you know? So it, it's every guy's got a, a different thing he is willing to deal with personality-wise and all that stuff. And So to me, I, I just didn't like the way it was framed. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, and he signed here, so none of it really matters in the long run.
0: Well, I mean, the only thing that will matter is that, you know, this is now this is a story in a sense. I mean, it'll go on the back burner for sure. Um, And if if Kevin Hayes has a good season, no one will ever think about it. It'll just disappear at that point. But if Kevin Hayes struggles or is not good or, you know, gets demoted down to the third line and then, you know, you're sitting there like, oh, man, we have seven more years of this contract at that at that dollar figure, then everybody's going to then it will come up again. Like, oh, yeah. And this guy doesn't even didn't even want to be here. He doesn't even want to be here. And fans can make it miserable on him just like they have other players in this town um, especially in the social media age so I mean there is the the potential for it to
1: you know start off on the wrong foot
0: yeah not be good but if he has a good if he gets out to a good start or has a good season or whatever it, it'll, it will it will go away and no one will ever remember
1: yeah the, the one thing about it and, and there is like an inferiority complex that comes with being a philadelphia sports fan like everybody's gonna leave they're going to. he wants to go to la ben simmons is gonna leave us and go to la you know we always have these fears that everybody wants to leave you know what i mean and that nobody wants to come now I, you know we're stuck between new york city and washington and for some reason we're the red-headed stepchild and we this fan base we have this inferiority complex sometimes and when something like that comes out it's easy for our dna to come forth and say well, he didn't want to be here. Screw him, you right. know. So it's just it's just one of those things. But you're right. I mean, it'll be a, a blip on the Kevin Hayes radar if if look if he's scoring some goals, he's killing penalties, he's on PP two and and having success. None of it will matter.
0: No, you're and that's and that's what the, that's what I'm saying. That so it's it's in Kevin Hayes' hands at this point. As long as he produces and plays, you know, to a level that fans feel is worthy of you know him being signed for seven years at 50 million dollars he'll never have a problem he'll never have an issue but as soon as he dips below that for an extended period of time that's when uh, that's when it'll rear its ugly rear its ugly head
2: well let's talk about that so um you know there was a fan who uh left a uh, a comment on twitter it was a TB flyer who said not a question but how about uh, some under un over under guesses on the season including kevin hayes um now of course he's only gone over 50 points once in his career uh no twice um and here's the i guess the the over under that that uh tb flyer set and that is uh 53 and a half points where do you guys go
1: mm, it's gonna be tough to get a half but um
2: <sighs> that's a good that's a good
1: over
0: under <laughs> right jay it,
1: it really is because I, I look at it and i go is he going to be on power play one how much penalty killing is he going to be doing? Is that going to eat up minutes for him? I, I don't know his role here yet completely, but it's a good over-under. And if I was leaning a certain way, I'd say in year one I'll go under.
0: Whoo hoo
1: um, Well, so if,
0: if it's, I think if it's under if, – well, if it's under 50 points, I think you're going to be more towards the fans are not happy. He's going to be um, lit on fire. Yeah, but I, I, don't dis- I don't disagree. I think the first season it's going to be – at It's going to be a tough... I think he may eventually get to that 53-point number, but I don't think it's going to be this year. I'm going to go under as well.
1: Yeah, I I don't think it's this year, and I think that he will be used a lot in penalty kill situations. So that's part of the reason, too. And I also think that Alain Vigneault is going to deploy him in a manner to be more... He's going to use that Giroux-Couturier, presumably Konechny line, as his line offense to be his offensive juggernaut. And then he's going to use the the matchup with the Nolan Patrick line to generate offense. And Hayes is going to be stuck in the middle there a lot of times, having not the greatest matchup that he can, you know, be a get offensive numbers in. So I think that's part of the equation as well.
2: Uh, let me ask you this: So if Kevin Hayes is going to cost you over seven million a year, and let's say JVR doesn't rebound and and put up, you know, the uh, I don't know, what do we want him to get? Twenty five goals, twenty five plus? Is there going to be you know, in the mind of fans, if Kevin Hayes ends up getting moved down to the third line, is there a scenario here where you see fans, you know, gunning at both of these guys for combining for what, roughly $14.5 million against the cap and being underwhelming after being the top two signings for the team in the last two years? Like, is there anything that Kevin Hayes can do realistically or anything that JBR can do realistically that's going to help them avoid the scorn of this t- of the fans. If this team doesn't get off to a hot start,
1: I think it all has to do with whether they win or lose. Um, I mean, JVR had 27 goals last year in 66 games. Let's not forget that. You know what I mean? Um, you know, for the, all the seasons that he was in Toronto, he was a per 82 games over 30 goals a season score. He's not going to be a guy that's going to give you a ton of points, but he should give you 30 goals. So, um, I see no reason why Van Riemsdyk is going to drop off and, and give you less than thirty. I really don't. I think his hands are too good and he's got too much touch for that to happen. But I, I think it's all predicated on on the one thing: is the team having success. I think that's all that, that that'll fix everything.
0: I, I, I'll tell you the only way I see Kevin Hayes, you know, if he goes down gets moved down to the third line, that the only way the fans accept that is if the reason he's getting moved down to the third line is because Nolan Patrick's had a breakout. If Nolan Patrick breaks out and you say, "Well, man, this guy, this kid's got to be number on the number two, he's got to be your number two center with the way he's scoring," and then it's a luxury to have Kevin Hayes as a better than three C, three C, then I think it would be okay. Um, So that to me is 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 a possibility. I mean, it's certainly a possibility. I I don't know if it will happen, but I mean, is it a possibility? Sure. And if that's the case, then Flyers fans are going to be happy anyway, so it, it really won't matter. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> well, well, we didn't get to JVR. <laughs> well, <that's... laughs> I think that's a whole different animal, don't you, Jay?
1: Yeah, I do. But, I mean, like, you know, I look at his season last year, and, you know, he gets hurt in that second game, what was it, in Vegas, and misses all that time, but still manages to put up 27 goals. And, and I get, like, a lot of that portion of the season, it was almost a loss season. But he did play well when they got hot. So.
0: Yeah. I think that he just needs to—he needs to be with the right players. Yep. I think he's that kind of guy, who if you find the right people for him, he's productive. But if he's not playing with the right people, he's not going to create on his own, and then he's going to get into those lulls. So the the, the challenge for Elaine Vino this year with JVR is find the right combination for him that will get him scoring pretty regularly. Otherwise, you could see a little bit of the inconsistency we've seen, we saw last year, um, and, and and that's and I think that's just who JVR is. Um, it, that's not even looking. That's not looking at the contract. It's looking at not looking at the money that he's making because I think he's overpaid no matter what. I, I think that if you just look at the player, he can be a valuable player if he's playing with the right people. And, yeah, and that's that's the key.
1: Yeah, and I mean I think part of it with him too aunt, is ant as that optically sometimes he doesn't look like he's giving the the most effort you know it's just kind of the way that he plays the game it it doesn't look like he's he's busting it so people you know they see that and it gives them a perception of JVR. he's just a skilled player with really good hands and great touch um but again i I totally agree with you it really depends on who he plays with to find consistency and there's going to be you know there's going to be a lot of moving around, I think, early in the season with the the second and third line. I'd like to see them keep the top line intact with Couturier centering Giroux and connectney and then figure out the right combinations with those other six forwards um, to, to really figure out who works best with each other.
0: Yeah, since I, you, I, I agree with that.
2: Ahead, since Rose. you brought up Konechny, uh, let's continue with these over-unders because I like this tweet. I think it's solid konechny's had 24 goals in the past two seasons the over-under here by tb flyer is uh 29 and a half if we assume that he's playing top line minutes for most of the season do you think he goes over you can go ahead ant i got what was what was the number again 29 and a half he's Uh, 24 in each of the last two seasons goals yeah
0: (sighs) i still think it's a little high
1: because of the power think, play, right? Yeah, because he doesn't play on power play. That's,
0: yep. a, that's a lot of even strength goals to, to expect a guy to get thirty when he doesn't score on the power play. I, I, st- I would, I would still have to, I would have to say under. If you put it at twenty, if you put it at twenty four, which he's gotten the last two seasons, it would be a tougher call. But I think at twenty nine and a half, I think that's a little too high of a number. I would have to go under.
1: Uh, I would actually take the over here. Um, really? Yeah. Well, and this again is assuming that he signs a deal and he's in camp and. All of that, obviously. But the reason why is because I think... I mean, their power play last year, the top unit was, I think, 27th in the league. Their second unit was abysmal. And I just can't see PP2 being that bad. And he is the scoring threat on power play, too. So I think that that's going to be better. And he can pick up some power play goals. And I just think he's due for a big jump forward. The two twenty four 24-goal seasons... And constantly being shifted around with line mates and moved up and down lines, I think has done him no favors. So I think if he's with Drew and Couturier for the you know most of the season, and they had chemistry before Hack broke them up a couple of years ago, I think he will go over that number. That's
0: a that's a that's a tough thing to, to say.
2: I, I thirty I goal score, Travis Konecny. I, I, it feels – doesn't it feel like at some point he's going to get, like, dropped down to the second line? Like, Kevin Hayes can't yeah, like, get, that's, the, get the that, second line going. They they bring up Nolan Patrick, and the thought is to try to get those two to play off each other. Like, Nolan well, Patrick's just, never been a guy who, like, elevates his line mates. So, like, that's the thing that would hold me back from saying Konekny goes over 30. I, or, like, look, hits 30 or goes or goes I, higher. I, I don't
0: think that he stays the whole se- – I mean, the other thing is, is how often do lines in, on this team really stay together all season? It just doesn't happen – and you know, Konechny does is prone to those stretches where he's not, you know, not playing at his best. In the past, he's he's, you know, suffered for it by being demoted.
1: Um, that was more yeah. defensive, though, you know, being yeah, on the wrong of side course. of the puck in the D zone. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Of course. I mean, there's no question that he's got offensive. You don't score 24 goals at that age, two years in a row, if you don't have offensive skill, yep. right? I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I, I just wonder, like I just will he play enough minutes? like I don't see him, yeah, he's playing on that top line, but he's not getting 20 minutes a night. He's getting 16, 15. I just, I just don't think he gets enough ice time, especially in close games. I don't think that he's always out there, uh, especially if you're trying to protect a one goal lead. I mean, I just think that there are there are times when he doesn't play. And I, it, he's going to miss shifts that would give him
2: opportunities to score those extra five or six goals that he would need. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Travis Sanheim, over under forty six and a half points. Had thirty five last year. Feels like this is predicated on whether or not he gets PP one minutes. Yeah.
1: Well, as long as Gostisbehere is there, I don't think he gets PP one minutes. Um, but what's the number again? Forty six and a half. 26 and a half. Uh, that, that feels a little high for me.
0: For Sanheim? Yeah. Yeah, that's too high. It's too much. Way too much. I,
1: I, I think he's a guy, though, Ant, that by the end of this season, we could be having a conversation saying he may be the best defenseman on the Flyers.
0: <sighs> Is he the best defenseman? Defense Not, defense? n- that overall. Means yeah, he might He might be the most balanced I would. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. He might be the most balanced defenseman on the team. Um, I, he still leaves to me. He still leaves a little bit to be desired on the defensive end. But there's no question. He's got great puck skills. Um, he's a smooth skater. He's he can create offensively. I really like his game. Um, blue line out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I still. There are still things that happen. I, but I saw. I mean, he got better last year from from the year before there's no doubt about it and I, I hope that that improvement continues yeah I'm but expecting I, a big
1: jump this year yeah
0: I'm still still in, until I see it I can't sit there and say he's a you know a, a plus defender he's just kind of okay there right now um, but you might be right I mean ultimately he might be the best most balanced defenseman even more so actually than Provorov.
1: yeah who had an erratic year last year
2: yeah well, I think Sandheim's going to have to be the number one after they uh, trade the rights to Provorov elsewhere, so, uh, all right, great. Let's uh, continue. <laughs> See, I slid that in there really quickly. Um, anyway, last one, Flyers, over under 95.5 points. I know that a lot of people thought that uh, Anthony wasn't Mr. Happy. They've uh, they've attacked him pretty vigorously at this point, and uh, people attacked Saravali for the same thing, for saying that the Flyers are, are going to be... Bottom dwellers in their division. Where do you guys think? Uh, ninety-five and a half points. Well, who came
1: up with ninety-five and a half? The Vegas line, I think, is ninety and a half.
2: I'm going off of this one tweet. Oh, okay. I like this person's tweet, so I'm just going off this. Oh. I could pull the Vegas odds, but it, no.
1: Um, the ninety. F- you know what? I'm just going to be completely honest. I I've said this that I have no clue what this team's going to be. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, there's there's a if I like get one of those big like tabs pads of paper and put it on an easel and put all the pluses the ifs and all the the guarantees then I'm going I'm like where am I I have no idea am I gonna see a regression in Jerusalem game at 32 and just had a baby by the way congratulations Giroux. Gavin Giroux is his name um, am can, I gonna-
0: can Gavin and crew Harper be best friends
1: I'll tell you what I'm, I don't yeah. want to play kickball against that crew
0: <laughs> they born on the same day right or yeah. a day apart no, same day so, and uh, same day right yeah uh,
1: to to great uh, some good DNA there. But yeah. but like, I look at it and I go, okay, I still have some of these young defenders. I'm wondering if Sandheim's going to take the next step. I'm wondering if Provorov's going to bounce back. I'm wondering what Goss despair is going to be. There's there's half of my decor right there I have huge question marks about. And then I look at up front, you know, Keturias had two great seasons. I don't worry about him. Again, is Konechny going to take the next step? What about JVR, health, those kind of things? am I going to have the depth i need with that third line with Nolan Patrick and a fourth line that can actually do something and then i and then i look at the in the net and i go well they're not going to use eight goalies again that was absurd but still Carter Hart just turned 21 the other day and it is still a big ask and i know he has every tool in his bag he's got the mental stuff he's he's had a sports psychologist since the age of 12 or 13 He's been technically trained as a goaltender like none other. He's been on the biggest stages playing for his country, for Team Canada. He has got he checks every box. But until I say it, I can't make that leap that he is the messiah. So you got to prove it to me. When you become the number one man, there's a different kind of pressure at the NHL level when you are the man from start to finish. And I know they have Elliott as a backup, which I think is a good move, which we discussed last time. But there's so many ifs there. I, I can't, with good conscience, put good money on a bet I don't firmly believe in, so I can't go over. That was a long answer. Yeah, I,
2: well, you know what? Like, I, that, to me, I think is, is my number one concern. And I know that, you know, I guess it'll come off as being super negative. But the idea that, that people have Carter Hart penciled in to be a, a guy who's going to be, like, a top 10 goalie in the league to me is insane. Like, I I worry about the immense pressure that's put on him. I get the the sports psychologist since he was a kid like i I understand that i think it's great i think mental health is like a a massive thing to be able to you know take control of when when you're young like i think there's something to be said for that but i'm not convinced that he's going to be the guy who's able to go in and and start 60 odd games for you and and put up you know a, a 91 plus percent save percentage like I, I think he's going to go through some moments in the season where he's going to have some stretches going up against the team for the third, fourth, fifth time in his career. And the more film that the teams have on him and the more, um, you know, the, the more uh, in-depth scouting reports teams get against him, I, I just need to see how he reacts to it. Because I think that's like one of the things from last year that kind of stood out is at least being down there and watching, it felt like there were moments where you know, the, the teams who got to see him a second – Uh, a second time he he you know he didn't look quite as dominant and so I'm just wondering if maybe we're in a a scenario here where people are putting too much of their hope uh, of this season on Carter Hart now look you brought this up already they're not going to have eight goalies start but what happens if Brian Elliott gets hurt like Brian Elliott comes in for one of his his rare starts Carter Hart ends up having to get leaned on a whole lot more uh, you know more games in a row like maybe he ends up starting like seven eight in a row because they don't trust whoever the backup is, and he gets himself hurt. And then he spends, you know, a, a three, four-week stretch of this season trying to get himself healthy, and because there's such immense pressure on him to be the second coming, he gets himself back too early, and pretty soon the season goes sideways. I mean, I feel like so much of the season is reliant on Carter Hart to be a top 15, top 12 goalie in the league, and I just think it's a lot for a 21 year old kid, and maybe he can do it. And I think mentally, like he probably is as as strong mentally as a young kid as you could hope for. But it's just a lot.
1: Yeah, I'm a wait. I'm a waiting till you prove it to me, guy, as well, because we've, you know, you've seen so many goalies come into this league and and do well and then flame out. Not all of them are even close to the same pedigree that Carter Hart is, and have the uh, the tools that he has that he can go to, I mean, just from a, a technical goaltending standpoint, the kid is flawless. Like you rely on those things when things go bad, because if you do the right things technically, even if you're not winning for a short period of time, if you keep doing them that way, you're going to win. It's almost an analytical approach. So if, as long as you stick to your your technical aspects of your game and his positioning, and that's what it is for him, and his ability to read plays, then he will be able to pull himself out of tailspins a lot quicker than guys that had to rely on athleticism or a little bit of luck and those kind of things. Guys that are more technically sound make their luck. Those other guys have to depend on it a little bit sometimes to get hit by the puck as opposed to letting it hit them.
0: Um, I'm going to go under 95.5 but i think 90 and a half is right around where they're going to finish. Well, that's not the that's playoffs what's... then. No, i don't i don't think I... playoffs. That's why, you know, i said fifth or sixth place in the division is what is what i argued and i felt that i feel that they're a team that's going to be, you know, right there battling for the playoff spot but maybe not quite get it. I mean, as currently constructed, you know, roster-wise, is it possible that changes happen during this season and where different players come in or whatever? Yeah. And it, and it changes everything. Is it possible that somebody, another team has a crippling injury that, you know, plummets them down the standing Sure, And then the flyers are, are the, you know, lucky recipients of that. Absolutely. But I still think 90 and a half, 91, that's about right. 92, maybe, um, I think that that's where they're going to be. Is we're going to be the fans are going to be disappointed by that, but I think that's just what they are.
1: Well, let me ask you this, Ant. Who are the if you have them sixth place? Who are the five teams in the Metro that you have ahead of them?
0: Well, I, I said fifth or sixth. I, I think that I think Washington is still the class of the division. Agreed. I think I think Carolina is probably the second best team. Disagree. Um, uh Really?
1: Who's going to stop the puck? Well. Uh,
0: well to be to be determined but they look I mean, they had last year they did it with a, a crap goalie anyway right with the way that they play I mean they got a nice defensive core they have you know a lot of a lot of good young speed on that team I I, I like the I like where they're at and, I, and they're a really good coach
1: well, I think they're a team that's going to take a step back
0: do you really yeah I don't I think that they're
1: going to be good I think they rode the jerks thing and you know and you know the whatever they call that celebration at the end of home games I think they rode that momentum and to me that's a I don't think they have any goaltending. I know you got away with it, Mrazek and McElhaney last year, but those guys were really good.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I have them two. Mm-hmm. I I think the Penguins took a step back, but I still think they're better than the Flyers. I have them three, and I I I believe I, I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I think the Rangers are going to surprise people this year. I think the Rangers are going to be a really good team. They they could actually maybe even be up to three. I think they're four. And I think what it comes down to it is that at that point now, who's in that next group? And I think that the of the remaining four teams are all kind of in the same boat. I think the Flyers, the Devils who are getting better, but I'm not quite sure they're there just yet. The Blue Jackets took a step back, but not a huge step back. And the Islanders, same thing. And a great coach and you know, they did a lot of good last year, but I think they're the they're a team that could take a small step back. I think that group will finish five, six, seven, eight somehow. just not sure what the what the formula you know format's going to be and that's why i say i think the flyers five or fifth or sixth in the division
1: yeah i i kind of agree with you on the rangers because the atruba effect i think is part of it um but they also have the goaltending they have lundqvist you know so that's a team like i look at the devils and i go no they're not ready yet because Corey schneider went a calendar year without a win they don't have kinkade anymore we saw it last year when you don't get goaltending when you make a mistake and the puck ends up in the back of your net it affects the way you play the game in every other aspect and if you don't get goaltending then you're just dead man walking that's why I don't with Columbus too i know they lost Panera and they lost you know they lost players and talent but the big one is they lost Bob and i don't know what about Corpusalo. you know is he going to be good yeah. so that's tough that's a tough ask for me And the penguins to me i think you're right Aunt, i think they're sliding and it's like the credit card bills finally come due you know, right. you bought all this stuff all those years and you used draft picks and stuff, and now you get the bill in the mail and you're like, oh, my God, we actually have to pay the bill. Um, rightfully so. They went out and they went after Cups, and they were a great team. And uh, is Malkin going to – what's he going to be this year? He says, you know, he knows he's got to be better. I don't worry about Crosby. He's Crosby, and he's on just a different planet. But the goaltender, what is Murray – I mean, since they've won Cups, I mean – yeah, he's not been good. He, he's he been at the definition of average. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know I don't know about the Islanders either because Barry Trotz was able to shave 103 goals off what they gave up the year prior when he wasn't the coach. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> they were the well, worst defensive team in the league, gave up the most goals, and they were and, the number one and, team in last year.
0: And Robin Leonard also, also had a great year, and he's not there anymore. Yeah. So. I mean, that's, that's, why I, that's why I was, again, much like your concern for Carolina, my concern for the Islanders is who's stopping the puck.
1: Yeah, yeah rightfully yeah. so.
2: Yeah. I mean, even if the Islanders regress to the norm, they're going to be close enough to the Flyers, right? Like, it, it could go either way. So it feels like they have to be a middle of the Eastern Conference or a middle of the Met kind of team, don't they? I, I don't understand the people who think that the Flyers are going to be like the, the second or third best team in the division.
1: I yeah, I've seen see some I I've I seen some like national feeling... guys saying that. And I'm, to me, it's like, I got to see it first. And I, I don't know what, and again, the one big thing too, Russ, what, what's the Vino effect?
2: Well, and that's that's uh, funny you should say that because uh, Chris Naffe at Chris Kringle in 1977 said, the team has a better head coach, better assistants, improved their defense, improved their second line, got rid of dead weight like McDonald, DeLterra, and Weiss. So shouldn't they be at least fourth in the division? And And notice that Chris leads off with the head coach and the assistant coaches what kind of impact do you think those guys are going to have? I mean, can can they turn this team into a legitimate contender in the Met with more or less very similar personnel to what they had last year? Granted, you know, Niskanen and Braun should probably help solidify that defensive core. You add Hayes to be your, I guess, legit 2C and push Nolan Patrick down to 3C. But outside of that, you didn't make a, a massive impact kind of move. You didn't make a top-tier talent acquisition. So do we really think that Elaine Vigneault... Yo and uh, and Michelle Terrien are, are going to be able to, you know, push this team into the top of this division.
1: Well, let me ask you guys both this. What's this team's identity been the last three or four years?
0: They haven't had mediocrity.
1: One. <laughs> they haven't uh, had an identity. To, to me, they actually yeah, they really haven't had an identity, you're right. The only thing I can make us come close to with an identity was what inconsistency. <laughs> you know, they they lost eight last year and then rattled off eight. They won ten, didn't make the playoffs. They lost ten straight, they made the playoffs. They are so hot they're like a bipolar team. Like young players I always say are bipolar because the gap between their really bad play and their good play is huge and that the older they get the the, the, the basement comes up and the ceiling goes even higher. So but they they're either really bad or they're going these runs and you're going, Well, why can't they be this team all the time? Well eventually you know if you don't have the depth talent and goaltending you can't sustain that but when i look at what they can be is in this coaching staff i think the number one job is to have these guys ready to play every night and develop some consistency through the you know the habitual nature of a the season they they have to find that this Yin and yang, and you have no idea what you're going to get. This is going out in a game against Tampa and going down 5-0 and then coming back and tying it and losing in overtime. You know, it's bizarre, but that's the thing that that coaching staff needs to fix. And if they do fix that, who knows? Because the the year prior to last year, with less talent than they had last year, they had 98 points. Now, Drew put them on their back for 102 points that season, but still.
0: You know, the Flyers are banking on this. I think, Jay, you would agree with me. I mean, If you look at what they did, they basically made a couple of, um, you know, moves around the edges, you know, with the veteran defenseman, right-handed defenseman, um, and then Kevin Hayes, although that's a big splash financially, it's not moving the needle, right? So they're hoping that bringing in this coaching staff of, you know, Vino, Petarian, and Yo, they move the needle. They change the the... Uh, you know, what the what the team is the perception yeah change the perception of the team and mm-hmm. make them make them likable again yeah. A- and so that's what they're counting on um, so it really it, it's all on their shoulders M- maybe unfortunately maybe unfairly that it's on their shoulders well he's getting but paid it, it, it is <laughs> well yeah he's getting i get yeah. that he's getting paid right well, but i mean yeah. but but i mean yes of course i mean and uh, you want the coach to be successful there's no doubt about it but you know a coach can only do so much I mean, co- to me coaches don't necessarily win as much as they lose uh i think that i think that that's that that's a thing in all sports in general Totally agree. um uh, so it's hard for a coach to get a team to be better than it really is. I mean, a little bit they can help a little bit in that in that vein with you know strategy and systems and things like that. But I don't I don't sit there and say oh my god that guy's an overwhelmingly great coach. You know I look I mean, I, <laughs> I love Craig Berube I think he's a good coach. You know he just won a Stanley Cup uh, as a coach. But you sit there and you're going to tell me that this guy is you know the second coming of Scotty Bowman. No, he's not. Uh, he was a good motivator. he got that team going in the right direction, really kept it moving, kept it light, kept it loose in the locker room. and that's what's great about Chief uh, and then you know just rode the, rode that wave. but I'm not sure that that's something that you're going to look at year in and year out for consistency. I don't think you could say that for any coach. I mean they're only only the very elite of the elite like Scotty Bowman who wins you know nine Stanley Cups that's that's the you know that's a different level and i don't think vinho's on that level so I, I don't know i think it's a little bit too much to expect a coach to come in and, and turn everything around
1: i know as when i was growing up before i could get a media credential i never paid money to go watch a coach coach <laughs> you know players play and, mm-hmm. and it's and you're right A coach can only do so much it's up to the players it really is
2: all right, so speaking of the players, and since you had mentioned before that you know, these coaches are going to have to work to try to build chemistry with their players, we are another week and a half since our last episode, and neither Travis Konechny nor Ivan Provorov have reached an agreement on a contract with the Flyers. Uh, Dr. Janitor says, how concerning is it that Konechny hasn't been signed? And uh, Ben Moluski asks uh, what the plan B is if uh, Provi isn't, isn't signed to, at the start of the year. What does the defense look like without him plugged in? Well, that's why Haig's still
1: here. You know, I think that's why he's still here.
0: That's, what, that's why they're carrying an extra defenseman. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, it, so what happens is, is your question. You probably put Gostas Bear, holy cow, on the top pair <laughs> on the left side. Um, or maybe San. I don't know. Maybe Sanheim. But but probably Gostas Bear just because, you know, he can, he can create offensively with that top that top line when they're out there together um, and then Sanheim and then you know Haig probably becomes your third pair guy as the number seven defenseman um, you know with Sam Moran I guess remains as the seven and in, in that instance and I think we might see that to start the season I you know Jay it's it's not a secret that this team kept eight defensemen under contract for a reason
1: well yeah right well, Chuck uh, Fletcher I, knows the agent he's dealing with
0: I don't think that they I think that the Flyers know that there's a very real chance that this Ivan Provorov situation carries into the season
1: yep I agree with you I,
0: I, and that's the reason they held on to eight defensemen yep I, I, and that's not a good thing but I mean that's I, I just think that's the nature of where a lot of these young players are in the league who want to get paid early yeah. And you're seeing these guys holding out. It started last year it, you know um, with Neilander in Toronto and I think you're gonna see a couple more of them, you know. I mean here we are, it's almost Labor Day and you know, Mitch Marner hasn't signed yet and um uh, and now you got Provorov hasn't signed and
1: who, who did a couple yeah. hasn't signed. McAvoy. Yeah, Braden Point, a, I mean a lot of guys. Yeah, we, we Patrick Aline, I mean Brock Besser, you can go on and on. It's all over the yeah. league. It's it's almost like it, out of control with this RFA stuff, but you know, Nylander waited till December 1st last year, and boy, that, that he never got going based on you know the way that whole thing went down. And but you know, th- like, like I was in college, I was a deadline guy, like, I couldn't write the paper till it was due six hours from now. And when you get to certain deadlines and markers on the calendar, and I think September 1st is one of them, and that's where Connect Me could come into play here in a very near couple of days. Um, I think they're close to getting a deal done with Konechny, and I believe it's a bridge deal in the four to four and a half range. Um, I think that that is really close to being done. But the Provorov thing, I think, is just at a standstill because nobody wants to blink first. McAvoy's agent doesn't want to blink. Worenski's agent doesn't want to blink. Provorov's agent doesn't want to blink. And nobody wants to set the market. So until somebody does that, I, I don't know how this logjam gets busted open. And the other thing is, ant, is when these RFAs eventually do sign, there's teams that are going to have to shed salary. Yep. Based on that, like I, I think Nikolai Nicol- Ehlers is still going to be a player that could be moved out of Winnipeg because it all depends on line A. So,
0: yeah, um I, I, I yeah, I think I think you're right. I think
1: There's like a logjam think- here
0: yeah it's an absolute log jam and it's not i don't it's not good for hockey um but it is what it is and they're all just they're all playing a game of chicken um i think the connect the announcement is going to come real real soon and when i say that i i, I almost i, I almost want to be bold and say it's going to come out tomorrow friday um but i think it's probably going to be tuesday when they get back from labor day weekend Mm, yeah i I think i think it's going to be tuesday and i think that your numbers are pretty darn accurate
1: yeah i reported it about a week ago that i had some information and that that was you know they were coming down to getting that deal done and it was getting real close and um the september 1st that's why i kind of alluded to that september 1st with him is basically when i believe that it will be wrapped up and uh, i think you and i are hearing very similar information anthony yes Yes, which is often the case.
2: Here's a here's a fun little question from uh, Brett Boothman, who says, uh, "How does Tommy Hawk, the Chicago Blackhawks mascot, beat Gritty for mascot of the year?"
1: The Flyers stunk. Well, so did, so did Chicago. <laughs> but uh, I, don't I don't know; they can fight in the Czech Republic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, if you want my, if you want my guess the blackhawks Blackhawks stadium fills up a little bit more it's a bigger city i i mean come on That's the only thing i can say i mean it has to be yeah that has to be the only answer um not to say that i i'm a huge fan of of gritty but i get it i understand it, it worked and i understand why um but whatever it's two mascots dude
1: you said enough on it i'm good <laughs>
2: Uh, you know what, since uh, you brought up the Czech Republic, let's uh, have a little a little aside here. The NHL Network announced that the Flyers are going to be the focus of Behind the Glass, Philadelphia Flyers training camp. It's a four-part series that's going to be airing on the network starting on September 25th. That's my birthday. So uh, happy birthday to me on that one. That's going to be awesome. Um, one of the people that they're going to be following is Jake Voracek as he returns to his native Czech Republic what are the odds Voracek gets really wasted and wears the gritty hel- like the the gritty costume?
1: Because
2: I I gotta think that it's high, right?
1: No. <laughs> I don't know if Gritty got a passport.
2: That's right. <laughs>
0: I don't know if Gritty's got a passport. Are they? They? I, you know, the Flyers might not be taking very many people over there. Maybe you know, yeah, it's just gonna be the players. I think and the and the training staff.
1: <laughs> You're pretty much think, right, Anthony. I don't think they're
0: taking anybody else over there.
1: <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to go further, but, um, yeah. uh, but the the thing about that show is, and, and I'll say it this way, um, it's when you're looking for advantages in your ownership, this is where they come in. I've said this on the radio a bunch of times. If they want to sell the game of hockey, the best way to do it is to let people behind the scenes. When the Flyers went to the stadium or the uh, Winter Classic in 2000, I guess it was 2010 with La Violette, that's when everybody fell in love with him because they realized that, you know, what's the problem now? You know, I'm not putting up with it, all those lines, right? Right. They got the peek behind the curtain and they saw that he was like this fiery guy and that you see that when these guys let their guard down that it's not like, hey, we're going to get pucks deep, time and space and all that crap. You know what I mean? So that's when you fall in love with guys when you realize, well, they're just like, you know hockey players are really simple you know so this is like to me a marketing campaign and because the team's owned by comcast and this shows airing on their network essentially that it's also why the flyers are in that have the most amount of nationally televised broadcasts of any team in the league is it because they have the most intriguing roster no do they get do the flyers get ratings on national television yeah because they're an intriguing organization outside of Philadelphia, but the reason why they're being featured on that show and why they're on twenty nationally televised games is because the company that owns them also owns a lot of TV networks.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that you're probably right on that. Yeah, and I don't, I don't necessarily know. Well, I mean, it, I, it's good. I mean, it's good for fans. I mean, fans are going to eat it up. You know, I remember when I worked for the team and we did that little goofy flight plan uh, video. Uh, online video stream. Oh, people um, go bananas over that, don't they? They loved it. Yeah, God, they loved it. Yeah. It was like it was like one of the most popular. You know, our website traffic w- spiked ridiculously all because of that. And you know, it was it was being praised. And then, of course, Comcast got pissy because they said they they own the rights to video of the team as the rights holder, and we had to stop doing it. Uh, but that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, fans love that stuff. Yep. And, and so it, it doesn't matter. If it's the Flyers or any other team, I mean, obviously it matters more in Philadelphia that it's the Flyers. But even if it was, even if it was, say, the 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 um, Arizona Coyotes, I, hockey fans in this market would watch it. Yep, you I watch be, Hard Knocks. Yeah, I don't right. give it's a crap like hard, about the Raiders. It doesn't matter who the team is. Yeah. Right, you just kind of like that behind the scenes kind of stuff. And I think it's cool that the Flyers are allowing the NHL Network to do it. Um, I, you know, the press release kind of. <laughs> Made me laugh a little, made me chuckle because it called it groundbreaking. Um, I think HBO broke that ground <laughs> yep. many, many years ago, uh, and everybody's just a copycat now. So I wouldn't necessarily call it groundbreaking, um, and I don't think it'll be anything that's like, you know, mind blowing. But I think it'll be good. It'll be a nice little peek behind the scenes, and and fans will
1: fans
2: will eat it up. Eat
1: it up. It's great. Yeah, and if Hextall were still here, there's no way it would be happening. <laughs>
2: This is gonna probably fall somewhere between. Uh, well, it's not gonna reach the level of twenty four seven. Is it gonna be better than like when NBCSN Philly did the behind the scenes thing about Bryce Harper signing? Because, like, I guess my fear here is that it ends up feeling like it's kind of cheaply made. Now, I, I I'm assuming that the NHL Network is gonna do a better job. They have better resources. Yeah, but, but they did. I, it. I can't. They did, they I can't did this, see this last this year.
0: They did this last year. This isn't the first time they did it. This is the sec. This will be the second year that they've done it.
2: And it's it's fine. I mean, it's it, it'll be. That's the problem, though. It's fine. It's not. It's not an excellent program. It's
0: not going to be. Com- it's not going to be NBC Sports Net or NBC Sports Philly production, which is no. Net, this is not, network it, level. This production. is a. This yeah. is network level production. This yeah. will be yeah. better. It's not going to be HBO, did you- So if you're looking for if you're looking for like a ranking of, of how, you know, oh my God, the HBO stuff is awesome, right? Well, this isn't going to be that, but it's also not going to be you know uh, getting Bryce Harper either. It's not going to be that kind of poor production either. It's going to be somewhere in the middle, and it's going to be good. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and knock it. I think it's going to be a, a, a good, entertaining program. It just is what it is. I mean, I, we're, we're saturated with this in, in pro sports anymore.
2: All right, let's go to the uh, to the next question slash comment. Uh, Justin Kent says, "With Pitlick, Pitlick out, is the season already over?
1: If not, why isn't it?" <laughs> uh, I think it is. It's over. I'm, I'm not even going to pay attention. Log off. <laughs>
0: um, I will say this though, and Jay, I'll, I'll ask you to, to weigh in on this. With Pitlick being out, and he's going to probably you know not be ready for the start of the season. Um, so somebody's going to probably have to get his spot in the roster cuz i think he was going to be in the ro- on the roster to start the season. So somebody's going to have to take that spot. Is it is it a you know depth guy who starts the season uh, starts the year with the team like a, like a Abe Kubel type uh, or or a Vorobiev type or might it be Joel Faraby?
2: Interesting.
1: Oh, that's a that's a big old fat to be determined if Farby has a really good camp. It's going to be Farabee.
0: Yeah,
1: it's to, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, he's look. He's got to come in, and he's got to show that he's not going to get muscled off of pucks like he did, you know, last year. And you know he went. He went and had a great year at college. I mean, I don't know if people realize how good of a year he had on a not so great team, last year. Uh, he he was impressive, but this is playing against men, and if he can show that he can win board battles and do the right things out there then it'll be him um the door is opened for him in a big way i think that he has the better chance of being that guy he's a natural winger frost is a natural center who will start in the nhl on the wing but farabee is a natural winger so to me that's part of the reason for the leg up for farabee over frost in this scenario and the door's open for Farabee. No, he's just got to bust it down. He's just got to. Yeah. And, and I, I think he's, a, I think Frost will end up being the better player overall in in the grand scheme of things. That's how I would kind of look at it right now. But Farabee's the guy that's more ready to make the jump now than Frost is, I think.
0: I agree. And I think that this might be, like you said, this might be his opportunity to make the team at the start of the season and then for, and then force the Flyers to, you know, make a decision you know when the time comes does Farabee is Farabee playing well enough at the NHL level to stay or is he a little bit overwhelmed and needs some seasoning in the AHL and then you call and then you either bring him bring back Pitlick from his injury or you call up a you know a fringe guy or veteran you know whatever veteran minor leaguer to come fill in for a few games whatever the case might be I but I think this is his opportunity to actually make the team yeah I totally agree
1: and I'd love to see it because I, I think an inje- this this league is getting younger, faster, more skilled. He checks all those boxes. I think there's an enthusiasm that comes with the young guys like this that becomes infectious in a locker room, and I'm all for it.
2: You know how to get your guys a lot faster, right? Hmm. Bring
1: back Yori,
2: Yori Latera. No. <laughs> all right, let's move on
1: to— uh, He looked like he was carrying a piano up and down the ice.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, what was the piano full of? Anyway, let's go to uh, Virevox, who says... uh, Vyrevox! Our our old friend! Where's he been? Vyrevox even said, howdy fellas, long time no see. Anyway, uh, Virevox says, with uh, Brian Elliott only on a one-year deal, what are some names you'd like to see plugged into the crease for 2020-2021? Have either of you uh, thought to look that far ahead?
1: Um... Is it a one-year deal? I thought it was a two-year deal.
2: I hear some furious typing, which makes me think somebody's looking up 2020-2021 for you. Okay, no,
1: he did sign a one-year, $2 million contract extension. Um, well, it'll depend on how he makes it through the year, whether they continue with him. He seems like a perfect guy to, to me to transition into that mentor role and still be able to, when he comes in, be able to play at a, at a pretty high level. Um, but that being said, who's the, who's kind of in the wings? Well, you look at I mean, you look at Felix Anstrom, but it, it, for goalies to develop, they got to play, <laughs> right? Right. Right. So, w- what is the workload of Carter Hart at that point? You know, how much money are you going to allocate to Hart when his deal comes up? Um, you got to consider all of these things. You know, you could you could go out and you could look for if after this season you go out and you find a guy like Robin Lehner, who's making five million for one season in Chicago, you could find a guy like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably the right way to go. I mean, because there's there's two goalies have, are coming over this year, right? Ustamenko is the other one? Yeah. That's, that's coming over. Um, I, I think that they're both guys who have a shot to eventually be NHLers, but I don't think that they're anywhere close. So uh, to, to sit there and say that within a year –
1: but you can't have two young guys you can't have two young guys with a 22- year old. Right.
0: Jury. not only that yeah. too, but I mean but I don't but even still, I mean, even if, even if Hart were a couple years older, let's just say yeah. I, I'm not even certain that either Sandstrom or Ustamenko being playing professional hockey in North America for just one season, most likely splitting time, no less, um, would be prepared for the NHL. No way. in that short a period of time. Yeah, no right? way, totally so, agree. Right. So I don't I don't think that that's a possibility, although I do think that they both have a chance to be NHL goalies at some point. Um, I would I would say that you're more than likely right that the that the replacement for Brian Elliott, if he's you know
2: done after this year, would be another veteran goalie from somewhere else in the NHL. Uh, just a side note here and a question. When's the last time when, have you guys played a, uh, an NHL video game?
1: Uh, probably about a year ago.
0: Yeah, it's,
2: it's probably maybe even a little bit less, but, but close to a year. So there was a little bit of outrage going on that Claude Giroux was uh, number 32 on NHL 20's uh, power rankings. He's an 89 overall. He's got the top face-off rating in the league with a 95. Do you think an 89 is low for Claude Giroux?
1: <laughs> um, well, can you, can you tell me where some of the other players are? Where's McDavid?
2: All right, so Giroux's 32 ahead of him. Giordano kopitar is 30 ryan o'reilly at 29 tarasenko 28 taylor hall 27 uh sagan 26
1: well like what's the rating for Connor mcdavid like you said like- we don't Jerusalem. know yet. he's oh, okay. he's, uh, he's gonna
2: he's gonna be what top five okay top three so right now they've only revealed up to 21 okay and 21 right now is Eric Carlson at a 90. So, like, there are a bunch of guys that have an 89 overall rating. Um, I, if I it, was... started, it, it started at 41 with Braden Point. And it goes all the way up to, uh, let's see, who's the last one having an 89? Sagan's the highest at a 26 with it, with also an 89
1: overall. Well, I mean, I think you have to consider his, you know, he's 32. Or he's not 32 yet, but will be. Um, I, I don't know. I, uh, I'm... I'm not offended by it, he could be a little higher I guess when you consider the pedigree of hockey player he is, you know before we even started taping tonight I was wondering why certain guys around the league are looked at so much differently than Claude Giroux yet they're inferior to him, Um, but that being said he's a guy that doesn't get the credit he deserves for being the player that he is and not only in this city which is abundantly clear um, But nationally as well, part of that's the team hasn't been great. They haven't won a playoff series since 2012, so I get it. But
0: I would, if I was making the ratings for a video game, and as someone who you know grew up in the video game generation and played every level of, I guess, the hockey video games back from you know Sega all the way up to now, I I would have put Giroux a little bit higher. I mean, I I think 89 is a little bit low, a little bit disrespectful. Um, 92, Ant. Yeah, 92. Not, yeah, I think 92 is probably fair. Maybe even, I might even go 93. I might even go one more. I, well, think I just go
2: 94 it. while we're just, you know, going to keep pushing out <laughs> like one or two at a time. Here's the thing. I, I think that the better case can be made that in NHL 19, he was coming off of, what, a 102-point season, and he was also in 89 then. Um, I, I think he probably should have been somewhere firmly in the low 90s in that game. Maybe this is uh, EA Sports making it up to him by keeping him at the same rating.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know what their algorithm is. So,
2: eighty-nine feels fine, but can I just throw this out here? Like, I, I know I'm not the only one who thinks this. I don't know if you guys are on board with this or not, but to me, I, I think that Sean Couturier is a better overall player. I think he's their most valuable player at this point, uh, if you take, I guess, Carter Hart out of this equation. But Couturier to me is the best player on the team. Um, I'm not there yet. I think he, he might be. I think he might. I think he maybe. If nothing else, he should be. He should be a top like by these kind of arbitrary metrics. Like I think he should be a top fifty guy. So I I uh, will say th- I will say this. I think this is the same kind of argument like you
0: were like Jason was making earlier about Sanheim on defense. Couturier may be their best or most balanced player on a, on on the team offensively. Might be the most balanced player. Giroux is still the better player.
1: Yeah, to me, Giroux is the the better player. Couturier is the more important player, and that's because he's a center. Centers more important than wingers. Yep. It's just the fact of the matter, Um, but Giroux is still the better player, not just because he has higher hockey IQ and what he's accomplished in this league but just because he's just a better player. (laughs) I mean, he just is. I mean, when you look at what Giroux accomplished in the NHL since 2010-2011, he's number one in the NHL in power play points, by the way, with 269. Ovechkin's made a living scoring on the power play. He's got 256 power play points. That's over a decade. Like, when you look at the fact that since that same period of time, you look at points in the NHL, two players, have scored more points than Claude Giroux in the NHL. Sidney Crosby, in about 122 less games, has um, 710 points. Patrick Kane has 708 in about 30 less games. And then Claude Giroux, in 694 games, 688 points. He's ahead of Alexander Ovechkin. He's ahead of John Tavares. He's ahead of Phil Kessel, Steven Stamkos, Malkin, Backstrom, and Blake Wheeler rounds out the top 10
2: so with all that said is that just an indictment on on every gm that this team has had for not being able to surround him with the requisite talent to make this team a legitimate cup contender
0: well i gotta remember they were in there were there was some real cap issues at one point Mm -hmm. and and that you you had to work your way out of that i mean that was what Hextall was was tasked with um and to his credit You know, the one thing that, you know, you could sit there and say is he did a nice job drafting and he did a nice job clearing the cap space. It took too long uh, to turn everything around. But at least that much you can thank, you know, the Flyers fans can thank Ron Hextall for, Uh, you know, and a good portion of that was Jeru's part of Drew's career. You know, I mean, you got to remember, he was on a team that went to the Stanley Cup final. With the
1: Flyers, yeah, he had an overtime winner in overtime game winner yeah. in
0: Game Three of yeah. the Stanley Cup Final. So, so there was a time when there were players on this team that were good enough to play with Giroux and have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. Um, and even I would say for the next year or two thereafter, that those you know they may have underachieved, but those teams were certainly you know talent laden. Um, it wasn't until I think really the the strike uh, the lockout shortened season um when they missed the playoffs that we started to see uh that the team made, around him maybe wasn't as good as it needed to be and even though there have been a couple of playoff appearances since the team just never got good enough at that point
1: yeah i mean they've the the thing that they've missed is depth and another high-end talented scorer to put next to him and goaltending of course and if you don't have, like, look at, like, St. Louis, why they won the Cup. They had tremendous depth, strong D, and the goalie played great. Like, the, winning in this league in the playoffs is not complicated <laughs> how to do it, right? This isn't, like, rocket science on how to build a team, but you never know how players are going to mix. And you never know when a certain player comes into a certain system, like Pat Maroon or, some, you know, those kind of guys. Like, the role that those guys play in a playoff run is incredible. I mean you look at a team like Edmonton. They have McDavid who was in on 51 I believe 51.7% of Edmonton's goals last year and they had a 50 goal scorer in Leon Draisaitl. They didn't make the playoffs. So you got to have depth, you got to have goaltending and you got to have a couple high end talent players. And and to your point Russ, they didn't surround him correctly. Now they got themselves in the cap hell because they The the Pronger injury, the trade of Richards and Carter, they charted this new path, and then they got themselves into a fiscal disaster. And that's why they haven't been able to capitalize on it to this point.
2: Let's get to the—I guess this is the last thing that I, I think is probably worth touching on. Um, it, and it came out today, it was, uh, Darren Dreger of TSN who put out that based on progressive discussions with the NHLPA, expect the NHL to announce within a day or two, it's intent to decline its option to reopen the CBA. Uh, do you guys have any reactions to, uh, to that news? It's good for the league.
1: Yeah, it's nice to know that they're, you know, they don't have the gun squarely pointed at their toe again to shoot themselves in the foot. Um you know, the, the problem with this league's always been like, there's been no faith that they're going to not have a lockout or like every time a CBA comes up, there's going to be two sides dug in and, you know, Bill Daly's going to say, this is not the hill we're going to die on. And, you know, all these things. And it looks like, you know, the game's moving in the right direction. Whether you believe that from a product standpoint could vary uh, depending on what you like, but um, I think it's good for the league and, I think there is some labor piece right now, and I think both sides see the same thing, and and want to move this forward with another club coming in a couple of years in Seattle, and then the other thing you see you know the, the players not using the escalators this year and probably won't next year, um, so they're getting pretty savvy with how to handle this system that they're in right now.
0: I had uh, lunch um, last week or no, two, yeah last week I guess it was. Uh, with a former NHL governor. Um, and the, the league is in a good place financially. Um, they're, they're in a really good spot, and everybody seems to be happy with the way things are, are going. Um, with you know, The cap's going to go up again next year. Um, the the whole escrow thing is is not out of hand like it once was. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's I, th- I think it's a, a good spot to be right now. Um, that doesn't mean that down the road it, it can't change. But uh, the, this former governor actually praised Gary Bettman, um, cool. who is 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 obviously hated. <laughs> by the fans of the sport, but and, and he plays into it. I mean, that's the one thing that I think Gary really needs to stop doing is play into the you know play the heel. Um, uh, but at the same time, from a business perspective, this this governor, former governor, said, uh, yeah, that Gary Bettman has done great things for the league and is making these teams a lot of money, um, and the players are, are happy and and it's the league is competitive. you just got to get into the playoffs and you have a chance to win. Um, and that's kind of what they want, and that's that's the, you know the thing that they're shooting for. Uh, we could sit us older uh, guys can sit here and say, yeah, the game's faster, but you know, is it is it as good as it once was? We don't know. I mean, I'm not certain about the entertainment value of it in comparison to what it was when you know when I was in my 20s and and, and even in my 30s. I, but I mean, that's that's picking nits. I think that for today's generation, for this league, where it's at right now, it's in a good spot, and this is a this is good news. This is really good news, and it probably means we're looking at another you know eight to ten years of good labor peace between the players and the teams.
1: Yeah, and just to come, to jump on that real quick, to that that TV deal that's coming up too in yep. the U.S. When it looks like ESPN is going to get back into the game, at least on a lower level and some kind of shared situation, along with. so we'll see how that plays out, and um, we'll see if they actually maybe consider putting the sport back on SportsCenter ahead of uh, Cornhole or Badminton or something.
2: (laughs) (sighs) You don't love Cornhole? Come on. Uh,
1: I like the Cornholio episode of uh, Beavis and Butthead, but no. My
0: my former um, intern at the Flyers is the sideline reporter for cornhole on espn boy get out you really danielle Ma- danielle maslany you really shaped his future <laughs> danielle maslany she's doing a good job whatever she's doing a good job I'm proud of her proud of her
2: <laughs> all right well i think that's probably a is that a good spot to wrap up because i think uh, so i think it, it's a, an interesting seasons. little anecdote to uh, to wrap this thing up after we had a bunch of technical difficulties because uh, my computer is i think 10 years old i think it's probably time Take this old sucker out behind the shed.
1: Well, Get out the forklift and carry that Commodore 64 outside there, brother. Mm.
2: All right. Well, Jason, thanks for joining us. Thanks for of having course, me. Of course, go check them out over on 97.5 The Fanatic. Go check out Stick to Hockey, where they maybe kind of, sort of, will talk about the Flyers from time to time. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, in the meantime, go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossed Up, which uh, Anthony and, and our Phillies guy Bob Wankel have been uh, doing a um, – bang up good job with uh mondays from five to six on 610 espn radio they do a uh, show over there and then sometimes they also record a uh a standalone podcast later in the week and as the phillies continue to uh, push for a playoff spot i'm assuming that we'll probably be hearing from these guys twice a week so make sure you go check that out go check out crossing broadcasts uh, broadlines betting podcasts will be there there's going to be a whole bunch of sports betting stuff uh, rolling out on the site momentarily uh, we've got, it's always, soccer in Philadelphia as uh, your team, your town, your Philadelphia Union are in a battle for first place this weekend with Atlanta United uh, for the top of the Eastern Conference and Crossing Broad FC, where we'll be giving you uh, some prop bets to take a look at for the EPL and for all the international soccer leagues. So for Jason, for Anthony, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.